Today, if you will, join me in taking your Bible and turning to the book of Exodus, chapter 4, and verse 22. We're going to look at three passages of Scripture today as we talk about the fatherhood of God. The fatherhood of God. We're in a series called All About God. And uh, we'll never be able to explain all about God, but uh, we're going to make an effort to try to focus upon who God is and the relationship that we have with Him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we talk about the fatherhood of God, we're going to talk about how the Heavenly Father creates His people called Israel. Uh, we're going to talk about how our Heavenly Father corrects His people. Uh, that's you and me and how we find redemption in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to talk about how our Heavenly Father cares for His people. So this is how we're going to frame our understanding of the fatherhood of God. Will you bow with me as we pray before we read our scripture? Our Lord and our God, we do thank you for the day that you have given. We ask, O oh Lord, your blessing upon the preaching of your word. Lord, that you would cleanse us. Lord, that you would speak through us. Speak most of all, Lord, through your Holy Spirit's power and presence in your word. Help us to hear a fresh word from the Lord today, a word of challenge, a word of correction, a word of comfort, a word of guidance, and a word of blessing. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will be glorified in the truths that will be portrayed uh, today in this uh, m message through your word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yes, we're praying for our sister church, the Salem Baptist Church, for two Sundays and they, in exchange, are praying for us as well. And we thank God that they are our neighbors, very faithful Baptist church, and uh, I'm not sure how Salem Association may have been named after that church, but they bear the same name as our Baptist Association. Also, uh, I want to mention today the family of Brother Raymond Bryant. Uh, it was my honor to share a few words at his memorial service yesterday. And I want you to be um, aware that his wife, Phyllis, will now be um, at home alone. She, they have two sons, Paul and Michael, but they live in South Carolina. And they are traveling today back to their homes to continue their life. And so we want to remember Miss Phyllis and uh, be sure to give her a word of encouragement. Give her a phone call during the week. Just let her know that you're thinking about her. Uh, so often when uh, someone passes away, we run to the family and for a week or two we pour out our hearts and uh, words of comfort and encouragement to them. And then we kind of go our separate ways and um, they feel alone. And so it's a good time this coming week to give her a call and let her know that you are thinking about her. I did mention um, that uh, Brother Raymond sat with two or three other men right there here in the church every Sunday morning uh, back when we were meeting faithfully and he would be one of the first to come out. I get to shake his hand on the way out. And I told my wife, I said, now, there's three men that sit together there in the church on Sunday morning. I don't know if it's the amen section or if it's the heckler section like the uh, guys on uh, the <laughs> Muppet show that sit up in the balcony. But come to find out they were the amen section. And uh, Brother Raymond would always compliment my sermon. And anybody that 
uh, says encouraging word about my preaching, uh, he's my new best friend. So uh, I appreciated him, and he will be missed. He will be missed. Uh, we thank God for his memory, for the fellowship here in our church, and those that um, fellowshiped with him uh, here at the church. One of his sons is a professor at a Baptist college in South Carolina. He has a Ph.D. in New Testament studies from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in North Carolina. And um, it was an honor to get to meet both Paul and Michael yesterday. And Brother Raymond was so very proud of his, his sons. Isn't it good to have a dad that's proud of you? Isn't it good to have a dad that says, I'm proud of you. I love you. I respect you. I think you're just awesome. Uh, those are words that our fathers don't say too often to their children and um, need to say them. Kids are starving for affirmation. Uh, kids want to uh, make their parents proud of them. And uh, God of all people wants to be your loving heavenly father. And he would like nothing more uh, than for you to let him be your heavenly father. Our earthly fathers are with us for a short period of time. Uh, and I know that you have memories of your dad that uh, you give thanks to God for. I was thinking about my dad this morning on the way to the, um, to the church as we were driving. Every Sunday morning, uh, Marley, our church would get together uh, in town. Uh, now, we had this little Baptist church. I don't know if we were General Baptist or uh, we, we weren't Southern Baptist. We were just Baptist out in the woods, you know. But we were singing those uh, songs like Who Am I and so forth. And, uh, but every Sunday morning, we gathered in town at the radio station at 8.30 to 9 o'clock. And my dad was the MC for that little uh, pro 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 program, and he would dedicate songs to people that called in or wrote a letter to the radio station, pray for me for this and that, and dad was the MC. So dad wasn't the pastor of the church or the preacher, but he led the music and he was the MC of the, of the program there every Sunday morning. Well, I would get up and go, to, go with him. And... Uh, we would ride to town together. And I remember he, when I was a young fellow, I loved, I loved to learn how to drive. And there was a long road, about six miles from town back to our house. And Dad would let me sit in his lap and steer the car. And he wouldn't go over 35, 40 miles an hour. And that's how I learned to drive, was sitting in my dad's lap. Such a great memory. But on the way through town, uh, my dad was the milkman. Dad delivered uh, milk in those days. And uh, all Jersey dairy. And... He delivered also these huge containers, these milk cans, about this big, and he would set them up in the Dairy Queens that we had. Now, we, we didn't call they weren't Dairy Queens back then. They were called Dairy Maid, and we were very creative. We had two Dairy Maids in our town, Dairy Maid number one, Dairy Maid number two. <laughs> we couldn't come up with another name, so we just called them Dairy Maid number one, Dairy Maid number two. One was on one side of town, one was on the other. And Dairy Maid number one was run by a guy named Frenchie. And uh, Frenchie made the best chocolate milkshakes you've ever had in your life. And uh, Sunday morning, I'd get up and go to, with Dad to the radio station. Uh, people from the church came in right about 8.30, and we sang live for half an hour, sang those songs that we talked about earlier uh, from the Heavenly Highways book, and he would dedicate them and so and so. And then on the way home, I'd say, Dad, can I have a chocolate milkshake? Okay, say so we'd pull around to Frenchies, you know, Dairy Maid number one, and uh, I'd drink that chocolate milkshake 
and make it last till we got all the way home, you know, with that chocolate milkshake. And um, so those are just little memories that I have. That I, that was our father-son time together. There were three boys in our family, and uh, that was the father-son time that we had together. Now, there, there really is a difference if you are the eldest in the family, the middle child in the family, or the youngest child in, in the family. And where you came along in your family has everything to do with how you relate to people in, in your world. Uh, for example, uh, the oldest child often is seen as the leader, often is one who uh, strikes out and is, takes over and becomes a successful person in life. And uh, that's kind of the trend for the oldest person. Uh, being the youngest child, uh, you tend to not know what it's like to take care of somebody else. So you're not a doting father like you wished your daddy was for, 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 for you. So when my sons grew up, they'd have a problem, and I'd say, well, they just got to figure it out, you know, because <laughs> I didn't know how to be uh, like an elder brother to a younger brother in the family or how to raise children like an elder son would. And so those are interesting dynamics that we have. Uh, but we miss our parents. Um, Dad's been gone since 1999. And uh, I have such fond memories of him. But I have a heavenly father. And my heavenly father has never left me. He has never disappointed me. He has been for me and desires that I be his son and have a relationship with him that lasts for all of eternity. Brother Raymond was so proud of his two boys. And he often told them how proud he was and I heard people would come by and say to his family uh, your daddy was so proud of you and um, and you could sense that kind of love in their family at the memorial service and I thought what a treasure and how rare that is these days a lot of people have never heard their dad say I love you or I'm proud of you uh, or I thank God for you and in that gap, that, that missing gap, uh, people will try to replace with the things of the world, the messages they want to hear from their earthly father but never heard. And so we get into drugs, we get into alcohol, we get into toxic relationships with other people, trying to get that affirmation, that sense of belonging uh, that we've been missing all of our life. And God is saying to us, I want to be the one who fills your heart. I want to be the one who satisfies your soul. Because all of us are created in the image of God. All of us have this place, this emptiness in our soul that only God himself can fill. And God says to us, I want to be your heavenly father that says to you, I'm proud of you, I love you, I'm here for you, and I'm never going to abandon you. Now get some rest. <laughs> Go to sleep. Sleep well at night. Know that I am your God and I am providing for you and I am taking care of you. Hear the Lord say in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Now the background for this passage has to do 
with Pharaoh being the dictator, if you will, of God's people. And God's people are their servants. God's people are their slaves. God's people are uh, being abused and used by Pharaoh to build his dynasty. Nothing upsets God more than someone trying to steal his children. God is saying in this passage of Scripture, I have a people, I have a son, and his name is Israel. Israel is my son. He doesn't belong to Pharaoh. He doesn't belong to the world. He doesn't belong to the evil of this world. He is not to be used. He is not to be abused. He is my son, and I will deliver him. And so God sent Moses to be the spokesman, to go say to Pharaoh, Israel does not belong to you. You cannot enslave my people. You have no right to enslave my people. Israel is my son, and you can't have them. Isn't it great to have a dad that stands up for you like that? Isn't it great to have a father that says, this is my son, and Satan, you can't have him. We need more dads today that will be praying that Satan be powerless over their children, that Satan's devices and Satan's ways uh, be futile against the children of God. And the Lord says to us today, You are my people. I have created you in my image. Israel is my son. And that's the beginning of understanding the fatherhood of God. God creates his people. God created Israel. God chose Israel. God made a covenant with Abraham. And God was faithful to that covenant with Abraham. God promised Abraham when he was too old to have children that he would have children. And uh, not only would he have children, but he'd have descendants, he'd have grandchildren, and they would be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And Sarah laughed about it. And God said, uh, I'm serious about this. I'm making a covenant with you, and you're going to be my people. And sure enough, Sarah was um, with child and bore Isaac and, uh, and bore uh, their children. And we see that God selected Israel to be his people and to be his children. Israel is my son, and you cannot have him. God creates his people. Now, nothing is more poignant than the passage that we read earlier, that um, Melissa read earlier from the book of Romans in chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul speaks about this relationship that we have with God as our Father and how God has created us to be His people. Verse 14 of chapter 8 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We become the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And it is by following Jesus that we are adopted into this covenant relationship with holy God. 
And we are made, we are created, we are recreated in Christ Jesus to be the people of God. And so we belong to Him, and He is our Heavenly Father. And He living in us now leads us and guides us along uh, by His presence in us through the Holy Spirit. All who believe in Jesus possess the Spirit of God. So it says in verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if you're following Jesus, if you're living for Christ, you're being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's evidence that you are a child of God. That's your evidence that you are a child of God. You have had a personal experience with Jesus where you've surrendered your life to Him and you've given your heart to Him and He is now in charge of your life and control of your life and leading you along. That is the evidence that you are saved and you're a child of God. Verse 15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery. Now that goes back to the Exodus passage that we read earlier. Paul is saying we're no longer enslaved to Satan or sin. We're not being led by our, uh, by our passions. We're not hedonistic. We're not led by our instincts. But we're being led by the Spirit of God instead. But you have received a spirit of adoption. You have been adopted into this family of God whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And of course, that's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Abba, Father. To have that personal close relationship with the Heavenly Father by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the sign that you are saved, the sign that you're a child of God is you're following Jesus and you're living for Christ, and you're being led by Him. And so you are a child of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Let's just settle that. Let's just settle that and say, yes, I am, or no, I'm not a child of God. Yes, I am if I've committed my life to Jesus and I'm following Him. Yes, I am being led by the Spirit of God. No, I'm not if I'm still living for myself if I'm still trying to get to heaven on my own merit, my own effort, if I'm still trying to live by the flesh and serve the desires of the flesh, no, I'm not a child of God. Let's just settle that today. Is God your heavenly Father? Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Are you a child of God? I pray that you can say, yes, I am a child of God. Not only does God create His people by faith in Jesus Christ, but He also corrects His people. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the evidence that we are children of God is that we are being corrected by the Holy Spirit. We are being disciplined by the Holy Spirit. When we stray away from our Heavenly Father and the path and direction that He has for us, when we stray away from Him, he is always bringing us back to Himself. Why does He do that? He does that because He loves us. He wants what's best for us. We, in our childhood ignorance, are trying to find happiness in the world, but God says to us, I have a joy for you that the world cannot offer, and you need to follow Me faithfully. Nowhere is that better described than the parable that Jesus gave of the prodigal son. 
There were a, a, a father who had two sons, Jesus said, in Luke chapter 15. And one of these sons said to his father in a very arrogant way, Father, give me the uh, possession, give me the uh, inheritance that belongs to me. I'm ready to leave home. I'm grown up now. I don't need your guidance anymore. Give me what's mine and I will leave home. I've often thought the father should have said, well, pack your bags and hit the road, son. That, that would have been why. But the father was gracious and generous, and he kept his covenant, and he said, okay, your inheritance, this is what is yours. And the parable teaches that the son left the father, and he went into a far country, and he wasted everything that he had. He spent everything he had on himself. And as long as he had money, he had friends. You ever had friends like that? As long as you had money, you could give out and keep the party going. Uh, people wanted to hang out with you. You ever met people like that? Well, those kind of friends do not last in difficult times. And the Bible says that this prodigal son found himself without any friends, and he went to a fellow and said, uh, I need help. And the guy said, I need you to feed my hogs. And so he went out to feed the hogs and was wanting to eat what the hogs were eating. That's what life is like when you defy when you turn away from the loving Heavenly Father who has a path for you to live that brings life eternal to you, the blessing of eternal life. Life will beat you down. Satan will steal your joy. The devil, Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, but I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And here this son is, he has spent all of his inheritance on himself, he's run out of friends, and now he finds himself in the hog pen. And for a Jewish son, that is the most insulting position to be in life. That is so insulting. What am I doing here? He said to himself. How did I get in the shape that I'm in? And then he realized. He, he came to his senses, the Bible said. And he began to remember where he came from. He remembered that his father had servants. And he said, if I could just be restored to the status of servant, uh, I could at least have something to eat and a place to stay and a place to live. And so he got up from the hog pen and he started back home. And the Bible says, the father of this prodigal son was waiting down the lane for the prodigal son to come back home. That's why one author of this parable, a commentator, says he calls it the, the parable of the waiting father. God is like a waiting father who says, I know you want to return. I know you want to come back home. And I'm down the lane and I'm waiting for you. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. But I am waiting for you. This is the waiting heavenly father. The Bible says as a young man was returning home, his father met him down the lane, and he rejoiced and he restored him. The son said, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. Would you please just restore me and make me one of your hired servants? And the father says, you don't belong in that position. You are my child. You've always been my son. You've been lost, but now you're found. We're going to have a party. We're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to restore you with the symbol of the ring as belonging to me and being my son. We're going to throw the biggest party that there's ever been. And that's how the youngest, the prodigal son, the younger of the two, was restored 
back to his heavenly Father. Aren't you glad that God is like that? He wants to restore you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to bring life back to you. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when only one person repents and comes to the Heavenly Father and says, I want to be restored. And that's the Heavenly Father that's waiting on you. You might not have had an earthly father like that. You might not have a relationship at all with your earthly father. And I know many earthly fathers who are still cut off. That's the word cut off in communication from their own children because they're embarrassed by their kids. They're embarrassed about what their kids have done. And, and, and they cut off their children. But not the heavenly father. He's, he's got the door wide open. He's down the lane. He's waiting for you to return. And he's waiting on you to, to come to your senses and repent of your sin and repent of your life and say, I'm willing to be restored even just to the point of being a servant. And let the Father pour out His lavish love upon you, His, His, uh, His uncalculating love, and say to you, you don't belong as a servant in my household. You are my son, and I am restoring you with status as my son. Thanks be to God. That's the Father who corrects His people. Thanks be to God that we have a Heavenly Father who does that. And third and finally, our Heavenly Father lovingly cares for His people. God cares about how you end up in life. God cares about what you're going through right now. And like every child who wants to have a listening parent, not an anxious parent, but a listening parent, a parent who's been there, a parent who understands Christ has been there wherever you're at right now. Jesus has experienced every temptation that you've experienced. He's been through every uh, torment that you've been through, every rejection that you've ever felt. And yet he says to you, I care about you and I can make a difference in your life if you will just let me. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer begins by saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Abba, Father. If you were in Africa, they would say, ah, Mangu Baba. Mangu Baba. Our Heavenly Father. Oh, what a beautiful relationship that we have with Him. He's there for us. He's always there for us. He's wanting us to come to Him. He knows what we need even before we ask. And it's not that He's trying to make us figure out what we need. He just wants us to ask. And those of you who are parents, you understand that. You know your children. You know what they need. But when they ask, when they ask, then you are delighted to grant to them what they need. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what it means to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. To pray in Jesus' name is not a magical formula that makes the wishes come true. It is saying, Lord, I want what you want. I want you to be the Heavenly Father. <clears throat> I want you to be holy. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be glorified by the prayer request that I have. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then he said, give us this day our daily bread. God knows what you need today. He knows where you're falling short. He knows when you need employment. He knows when you need uh, 
health insurance. He knows when you need a friend who will listen. These are spiritual, physical, emotional needs that we have. And God, your Heavenly Father, knows that you need every single one of you. And He's there to provide for you. He will never neglect you. He will never leave you abandoned. He will always be with you to care for you. Lead us not into temptation, He says, but deliver us from evil. God is not in the business of tempting and testing us. But God, through our tempting and testing times, comes to us and says, I want to refine you. I want to draw out your character, mold your character to be more like Jesus Christ. Somebody said one time, God isn't desirous that we be happy, but he's desirous that we be holy. Because until we become holy, we miss out on the happiness of Almighty God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Make us holy, Lord, that we might truly be happy and contented and a people at rest. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the great doxology of the Lord's Prayer. And when God is our Father, He's taking care of us. He creates us as His people. He corrects us as His children. And then He cares for us all along the pathway of our life. In a moment, we're going to sing a song, and as we sing, if you're here today and you need to make profession of faith, I invite you to pray this prayer to invite Christ into your life. I invite you to pray, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you, and I commit, Lord Jesus, my life to you. Lord, you be glorified through my life. And then I want you to come forward and sit on this front pew here as an indication that you're giving your life to Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that you are not abandoning us, but you are claiming us always as your children. You're creating us a new, renewed, and resilient people of God. You are correcting us and bringing us from unholiness and self-righteousness into peace and holiness and the perfection of Jesus Christ. And that you have not abandoned us, but you care for us. Like a shepherd cares for the sheep, a heavenly father who loves his kids when they need something to eat, he doesn't give them a, a stone, he doesn't give them a snake, but he gives them bread. And Lord, you know what we need and you give us what we need. We thank you and we praise you that you are that kind of God who loves us like a true heavenly father. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and all who agreed said, Amen.